0: Well, I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Ashley Mitchike. She is the CEO of True North Retirement Advisors, an independent financial advisory firm managing 230 million in client assets that is located just outside of Portland, Oregon. There's like green stuff behind you. (laughs) We love it. Ashley specializes in designing, building, and implementing custom designed exit plans to help her business owner clients secure their final And most important business decision that exit from their businesses. I love it. She's on a mission to transition 300 small businesses successfully into retirement in the next 10 years. I love that mission. How many do you have now? How many have you? Ambitious. (laughs) It is super (laughs) ambitious. How many have you done so far? Where are you
1: at? Oh, you know what? I just started counting and. At this point in the last year, we've had about three business owner clients transition into retirement. And every year it's in like the five to 10 range. Mm -hmm. So um, it's going to require a lot of growth and a lot of um, doing more of the formalized exit planning for clients. So it's a very ambitious goal, but Uh, We have a great team and I'm, I'm hoping we can reach it.
0: I love it. I love that goal. I'm excited to, uh, to continue to talk to you and have you be like, okay, I get it. I hit a hundred. We hit, you know, (laughs) so excited for you Um, and your business owners, because this is really kind of the ultimate goal, right? So my first question is always the same for all my guests. Um, So what was your first job?
1: My first job, I actually started my first business when I was eight years old. Uh, it's, it was called Ashley's pet plant and paper surface. <laughs> so I would like, if you went on vacation, I'd water your plants, I'd feed your cat. I, would you know, take care of your fish, pick up your mail, all that kind of stuff. And, um, it was, it was actually a lot of fun and it taught me a lot about entrepreneurship and business ownership. Cause I had to advertise, I had to hustle, I had to like respond to people. I had to show up on time. It, obviously if I didn't feed their cat while they were gone or water their plants, things would die so I learned a lot at a very early age about responsibility and like following through and it was fun because I only charged I charged three dollars a day to do all of this which is insane but um, and then sometimes my mom would come and help me because sometimes in the summer I'd have like you know five people at once and so she would come and help me and like water the flowers and stuff uh, which she didn't mind doing so that was a lot of help and It was fun, but um, yeah, so that was my first job, and I did that for probably about three years before I got busy with sports and just other stuff, and um, uh, I remember the other neat thing was I had a total monopoly, so I lived in this large neighborhood, and nobody else was doing this, so I was like, I'm just like raking it in and I wish business was that easy where like you had a monopoly (laughs) and no competition because it was just so, um, it was just easy. You know, if I put in the work, I saw the results right away. So it was really gratifying, especially as a kid to be able to kind of see that kind of results from your efforts.
0: That's awesome. I love that you're like, yeah, it was easy, but I was only earning $3 a day.
1: (laughs) Which was a lot to me, you know, at that time when you're eight, it's like, oh yeah, I can buy so much with like the $12 I earned this week. I
0: have an eight-year-old and she would, uh, she spends her allowance in like five minutes every, every week.
1: So. (laughs) Well, I grew up in the the CD, you know, in the time when CDs were pop Mm. and I was really into CDs. So, uh, and most that back then I remember CDs were like in those 12 to maybe 18 dollar range so it's like oh okay i just need enough money now to buy my next cd and that'll hold me over for like a month so funny i love it
0: what was your first cd now i need to know
1: oh ace of of (laughs) bass that's such a terrible i'm dating myself
0: (laughs) that's okay i think you and i are probably pretty similar in age (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and my my that. sister, who's, um, she's much older than me, she's 11 years older than me, but I used to, I didn't have a CD player, so I used to go in her, I had to sneak in her room and use her CD player when she wasn't home if I wanted to listen to, but it, this, her CD player was like this giant thing with a five rotating. Um, oh, I loved
0: those. I wanted one of those <laughs> so bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome I remember I was like I want the five rotation and my dad's like here it does one you're fine
1: <laughs> just live with your disc man and get over it I know exactly that's yeah. exactly
0: what it was I had my little sony disc man and we were to, I can't remember what my first CD was. So I'm surprised you knew you knew what it was I know <laughs> I know what my first cassette tape was so, what was that? <laughs> um, it was uh, Janet Jackson Control.
1: Mm, good choice.
0: Yeah, we love Janet Jackson. So you just started True North about a year ago, right?
1: Yes. So prior to that, uh, my dad and I worked at big firms, big financial advisory investment firms mm-hmm. for over a decade together. And then uh, about Three, well, going on four years ago now, we really, because more and more been specializing in working with small business owners and um, for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons why we left and started our own firm is because it allowed us to really specialize and go deeper in this area, which which, because of the compliance restrictions and all the issues uh, that come with working with big firms, they, they would have never allowed us to to do some of the things that we're doing with our clients now, like, you know, helping them value their business and things like that, that we would have never been able to do that. So, um, that's, that's for a number of reasons, but that was one of the main catalysts that, uh, drove us to start our own practice.
0: That's awesome. So, um, your guy, your, so your current focus is exit planning. Um, how did you get into exit planning?
1: So, um really early on, maybe about 2 years in, I started specializing in 401k plans and I kind of fell into that by accident. Um I ha- I had a client who uh, wanted me to take a look and review her 401k plan and I kind of learned through that that I I really enjoyed working with the 401k plan. I love working with the business owners and most small businesses in the 401k, the owner is usually involved in some way. Sometimes they have an HR person or a CFO who handles a lot of that. But a lot of times I'm working directly with the business owners and the small plans that I work with. And so I liked that. And I I love, I love the different variety of, of businesses and how people got started in their business. And I also found that I loved working with the employees. And so I would go out and, you know, do the education and inevitably, you know, I'd talk to them about other things about, you know, getting out of debt or, you know, balancing saving for retirement with all these other competing financial priorities. And I found that it was really rewarding because a lot of these people, you know, they might have $5,000 in their 401k and they don't have access to professional advice except for in the 401k plan. So that was really rewarding. But Uh, What happened in, in 2013, I, one of my 401k clients, the business owner, it was, he was a third generation owner of this family manufacturing business. And he was only in his like mid, he was probably like 56, 57 at the time. And he died suddenly of a heart attack and his business over the next like two years completely collapsed. And they actually ended up selling the business. They sold to an East Coast competitor, but it was like a fire sale price. They sold the business for like peanuts. And I I never had a single conversation about exit planning in any way or, you know, what happens to your business if something happens to you? And those are challenging conversations to have. Mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously this was an unplanned exit and you know his wife his his wife who had no experience uh in business I think she was like a retired school teacher she had to come in and run the business uh while she was grieving and try to keep things afloat and then they kind of uh limped along for a couple of years, and then they sold to this East Coast competitor who very short order, uh, you know, removed all of the office jobs because it was all redundant. All they really wanted was the, the name, brand of the manufacturing. So they, they closed and eliminated most of the jobs uh, there. And so I kind of watched everything just fall apart from the sidelines. And that was, this, so this happened in 2013. And that was the main catalyst, behind, you know, I need to start talking about this with clients more, because it's so interconnected with everything else that I'm, that I'm doing, and we're talking about, because it's really focused on their retirement, but no one else is having these conversations um, with the business, business owner, sometimes the CPA is, or sometimes the attorney is, um, but a, a lot of times, They're, they're not thinking about these things and they're not planning for their exit. So I kind of, that was the main catalyst for, for starting to really focus in and getting even more narrow in helping business owners with, you know, not just 401k and financial planning and managing their investments, but, but really focusing in on the, the exit from their business.
0: I love that because I think a lot of the time, I mean, what I find is a lot of people are buried in their businesses. um, and they're not thinking about like long term and people aren't asking them those long term questions a lot of the time. Like they are thinking, you know, I do want to retire someday, maybe. (laughs) You know, like they're like, but I don't know what that looks like because I work eighty hours a week or whatever. So really getting people to that, you know, what is your end game? you know, what, you know, in an ideal world, what does that look like and how do you get out or how do you back Mm -hmm. yourself out slowly or whatever? I think a lot of people don't ask those questions. Um, which is why we love to do goal planning. Like that's my favorite thing to do with clients because I want to know what does five years look like? What does 10 years look like? What, if you had pie in the sky, absolutely everything you could possibly want, you could live wherever you wanted to be. Like, what does this look like for you? And maybe it does look like still working in the business, but you know, what is your role and, you know, how are you involved in all of those things and just having people like think about those things as a business owner. Um, mm-hmm. You're right. It is a hard question sometimes because <laughs> people are like, I yeah. don't want to talk about it because it's like, well, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, it's like asking them, you know, what they want for their funeral sometimes. Um,
1: yeah. But it's
0: a question that has to be asked.
1: Right. And, you know, I think a- as humans, we also, a lot of times we need to say things out loud before we can process how we really feel or how we really think about a situation. Cause I don't know, most, if you're like me, you, I kind of go round and round in my head about something if I'm trying to figure out a problem, but sometimes you really just do need to talk about something aloud mm-hmm. and you need, and, and someone to talk about it with and what you were saying about, you know, how does your involvement, what does that look like? You know, how are you involved now? How do you want to be involved in five years, 10 years? Most business owners, no one's even asked them that question. And because of that, maybe they haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. So it just helps them to sort of put their head up and not, not be just so head down in working in the business quite so much, especially if they're wanting to exit in the next you know, five to 10 years, that's the ideal time to start thinking about these things.
0: That's awesome. So you, um, you do talks all the time about the three universal steps to exiting your business with financial security. So could you talk to us about those three steps, please?
1: Sure. Yes. Yeah. So, um, well, I'll actually jump to step two first, cause that kind of, uh, Plays off of what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So step one of those universal steps is establishing your timeline and your goals. So one of the first questions I ask uh, business owners is, "How are you involved in the business today, and how do you see your involvement changing over time?" And one of the beauties about being a business owner is that you know, for most Americans who are in a, who are employees, they go from working 40 hours a week and then they retire. And then you know they go from 40 hours to zero hours mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and that's a very drastic and and difficult transition. A lot of times after you know there's lots of evidence that after the initial euphoria of re- retirement wears off, you know three six months in, a lot of business or a lot of retirees can become bored or depressed or you know have have some issues because that change is so dramatic. So one of the great things about being a business owner is you don't have to do that. If you still want to be involved in your business when you're 80 or 90 years old, maybe you're not, you know, working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Maybe you're more of an advisory role, but you have a lot more say in how that transition uh, happens, especially if you're transferring sometimes in a third party sale. If you're going to sell your business to, you know, an outsider, or a competitor, you that you may not have that as much control, Mm -hmm. but especially if you're going to do an inside transfer, like selling to a key employee or transferring to a family member, you have a lot more control and say of what your own timeline looks like. So that's why I think it's important to think about these things early on. And, and most, most people kind of wait until they're feeling burnt out before they, you know, start thinking about their timeline. But we want to catch that early because in the exit planning process, 5 to 10 years is really ideal because there's a lot you can do in in 5 to 10 years as far as growing the value of the business or getting it where you want to be or grooming your successor. You know, those things take time. And, you know, if you're wanting to retire in six months and you're just now starting the exit process, that's um, unless you have a business that is red hot and you, you can sell it to whoever for top dollar, which is rare, uh, that's probably not not the way to go. So
0: Awesome. And so step number one is about the valuation of the business. And I love, you and I have talked to some about this. So can you explain what the evaluation step looks like um, for most business owners?
1: Yes. So valuing the business is actually the first step. And it's, that's a little bit unique. Most, I would say most people who talk to business owners about exit planning would probably start with the timeline and the goals mm-hmm. and all of that. But valuing the business is critical to do in the initial um, step because it allows us to take inventory of where we're at. So a lot of business owners, they don't know what their business is worth. There was a study Uh, three years ago by the Business Exit Institute, and they found only 2% of business owners know what their business is worth. So a lot of business owners, maybe they use industry rule of thumbs or they just guess or just wishful thinking. So we need to get a really good estimate of value in the beginning because that will help inform some of the timeline and the goals. You know, if your business is worth a million dollars, but you need it to be worth 3 million or 5 million, Okay, well, there's we need we need we have work to do then, so we want to make sure that we're addressing that um, initially, and also it's kind of like a GPS where you know I know where I want to go, I know I want to exit my business and retire someday, but if I want turn-by-turn directions, I have to enter where I'm starting from, and so Mm -hmm. the valuation of the business and knowing what your business is worth is just like putting that starting point in, because then we can get turn by turn directions, then we can make more informed decisions. And um, so that is the first step. Now, a lot of business owners are probably rolling their eyes, because they're like, I'm not going to spend 10,000 or $20,000 to bring someone in and value my business. You know, I'm just not going to do that at this stage. I'm not going to do that unless I have to. So um, most business owners kind of Brush that aside, but it's it's super important it's it's way too important not to get a good estimate of value right out of the gate and with technology now, um, you don't need to spend ten thousand dollars you don't need to spend four to six weeks on doing this you can find out what your business is worth um, really really quickly and really really easily and i don't I don't know we can talk about that now, but I'll just preface it by saying that. Um, one of the things that I'll make available to your listeners is we, we have a free valuation tool where if you have eight pieces of information, this is really easy stuff you can find um, in your books and records, eight pieces of information, and it takes five minutes to value your business. So um, technology now, it makes things much more simple and so that this we we actually pay for this so we pay for it but we make it available to our clients for free because we want people to actually take that first step figure out what their business is worth so that they can kind of get unstuck and it helps to kind of unlock you know unburden them so they can move forward with the rest of the exit plan. so we make that available for free and that's done intentionally um because we want it to be easy. We want people to, to do this. And, um, the database that we use actually has, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know what they're up. It's in the millions, many, many tens of millions of businesses in their database. Like I know dental practices alone, there's like 300,000 offices of dentists in mm-hmm. that database. So you're, you're getting really good comparative results. If you're a dental practice or whatever your business is. So, the results are, are, if the information that you're putting in, you know, if the inputs are accurate, right. the output is, is going to be a really good, strong estimate of value that serves as a good starting place.
0: And I mean, you know, as a CPA, I love numbers and <laughs> I love data, yeah. but you're right. I
1: think, you know,
0: we always say begin with the end in mind. So you yeah. can begin if you don't know where your start is. So I love, I love that you're like, you know, we do the goal planning, but we want people to know where they are. Um, And I love that you say that it just kind of, it kind of unlocks kind of the head trash too around what is my business worth or what do I think it's worth or what do people say it's worth? Or, you know, I had a business broker say this, but my CPA says this or whatever, you know, just kind of unlocks that piece of like, okay, this is where we are. And this is either not where I want to be, or it is where I want to be. But it gives people, you're right. It gives them kind of okay, so this gives some kind of actionable steps to increase their value. That's awesome. So we're gonna link that in the description box for everybody um, so that, you know, if you wanna do this valuation um, that Ashley's providing, you can absolutely hop in and do that on their system. Um, So what are those eight pieces of info real real quick so that people are prepared?
1: Yeah, so uh, revenue, pre-tax income, officer compensation, Accounts receivable, accounts payable, bank loans, long-term EBITDA margin, and then whether you rent or own the place where your business operates from. So we have a checklist. So one of the things that you'll get when you link to, when you go to that link is you'll get a, a checklist. It's a printable document, but it explains, it allows you to fill in you know, your numbers for each of those metrics, but it also explains where you can find them and then what it is. So a lot of people are like long-term EBITDA margin. I don't even know. Well, <laughs> there's, it explain. explains to you what that actually means so mm-hmm. that you're putting in the right number. But some of them like revenue, pre-tax income, a lot of that's pretty basic. And most business owners have that hopefully at their fingertips. But like officer compensation, that's a bit more complicated because you have to you know, back out a couple of things. And um, But it's all there for you. So you know exactly what number to pull. And um, you can also, when you get access to the tool, you can also email or delegate it to whoever. So if you have a bookkeeper or CPA and you want them to fill in the information for you, you, you can do that as well. Which That's a
0: really cool tool. I'm excited to look at that because um, I'd love to run some of this for some of my goal planning clients because um, yeah. I just love to do that goal planning stuff. So it'd be really great to have, you know, I love the data, and I love numbers.
1: <laughs> yeah. The other thing I'll say about it, too, is um, so once once you have the link to the tool, you can go in there 100 times if you want and update your valuation. And, and a lot of things, I've, I've worked with um, people who have said, okay, well, you know, this is my valuation as my numbers are right now. But then sometimes they'll go in and say, okay, well, what if my revenue grows to X? Mm-hmm. And so they can see how diff you know kind of pulling different levers will change that valuation, which is really helpful when you're when your business is not worth what you need it to be, so we provide you know unlimited access to this tool it 's not just a one and done you can go back a month from now a year from now, five years from now, and update the valuation as your um As your business changes. So there's no restrictions on it. We really, there's really like no strings attached at all because we want people to to do this. I'm not in the valuation business that, you know, this is not where, you know, we, we, derive our revenue from where where the value that we provide comes in is in the later stages in the actual crafting and implementing of the exit plan but we need to know what the business is worth before we can even start that
0: awesome so step one of your universal steps is to figure out the valuation step two is um you know what are your goals what do you need how do you want to do this right and then so what's step three for for our listeners
1: Step three is discovering your gap. Mm -hmm. So what that means is once you know what your business is worth, um, then we get to work on figuring out, is that enough? And that same study that I quoted earlier um, also found that three quarters of business owners would exit their business today if their financial security was assured, if they could, if they could afford to but they can't. And the reason that they can't is because they have a gap. You know, Mm -hmm. their business is not worth what they need it to be worth in order to exit. So we just, you know, and that's the hard part for um, a lot of business owners is, uh, you know, a lot of times where, whether it's with the valuation or understanding how big their gap is it's it we have this tendency to kind of put our heads in the sand and we don't want to know but it doesn't matter if the gap is huge or if it's little or non-existent we just need to know if there is a gap and once we know if there is a gap and how big that gap is then we can get to work on closing that gap but we have to understand you know what when you combine the value of the business with your personal financial resources, is that going to be enough? And if it's not, what is enough and what do we need to do to start closing that gap? And that's why I go back to, you know, five to 10 years is ideal because we can do a lot in five to 10 years to close that gap. Um, There's, there's not a lot we can do in six months to close that gap.
0: Somebody said Somebody said not too long ago, you underestimate what you can do in five to 10 years, but you overestimate what you can do in a year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I always ask the 10 year, I always ask the 10 year goal question, because that really gets people to just like, think like pie in the sky, as far as out, far out as possible, you know, what, you know, if you could have anything in 10 years you know, people are like, well, in 10 years, you know, (laughs) and then a lot of the time I bump their goals up for them. They're like, well, you know, I'd like to be making this. And I'm like, that's not enough. Let's do this, you know, because you can do this in five to 10 years. Um, You can't do it tomorrow, but you can do it in five to 10 years. I love it. So what are some of the things that business owners can do to grow the value of their businesses?
1: Yeah. So that kind of, uh, off of the discover the gap so if, if, if the business and the combination of you know all of your financial resources are not enough and you have a gap there's a lot you can do and you know sometimes I think business owners sometimes overlook things that they can do outside of the business too mm-hmm. so one of the things that's like kind of like does I could work longer you know just by working longer that gives me more time to save and also by working longer, I'm not gonna have to make this money last so long in retirement. So that's something that you can do that wouldn't require you to to actually grow the value of the business. Um, One of the most common, one of the most common ways that you can grow the value of the business is by diversifying your customer or your revenue base. And so, I use dental practices a lot in in examples because I think people kind of understand the business model there. But in a dental practice, um, if you get all of your revenue from insurance reimbursements, that's going to negatively impact value. However, if you can incentivize more of your patients to pay with cash, that's going to help increase the value. So one of the things that a dental practice could do is they could say, okay, well, how can we incentivize more of our patients to pay with cash? Because just by changing where that revenue is coming from, it increases the value of the business. So that's something they can do probably over not, you know, short period of time. Um, and so that would be, you know, diversifying where their revenue is coming from. But then the other side of that is a lot of times, a lot of businesses have uh, very concentrated clients where maybe they have a single client that makes up, you know, 20 or 30% of their revenue. That's a problem. And I think a lot of people understand why, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of risk in there if you lose that client. I talked to a um, business owner a couple, maybe uh, three weeks ago, a month ago now, she has three clients. And all of those clients, they each kind of, they're kind of even, they each make up about a third of her revenue and she wants to sell this business. And I'm like, "Eh, you might want to get some more clients (laughs) before you do that because the business in itself is, is is not worth, you know, millions of dollars, even um, the, you know, the size of her business already, but with those concentration of those clients, it's it's going to dramatically decrease the value of what she can get for her business. Um, so that would be one thing, but there are lots of things um, you can do. Like some of the things, cr- just creating some of the, like you were talking about, Jamie, with establishing goals, like creating and implementing a strategic plan for your business. That's something that's a little bit less tangible because you you can't necessarily see the results right away. But, you know, a lot of businesses, can really, fo- it helps them to focus in on hone in on what are the things that are going to drive growth and revenue, growth in, in clientele or customers, growth and profitability, like what are the core things that we really need to focus on to help grow this business, um, and just having a strategic plan that identifies and, you know, holds you accountable for those things um, can can help a lot. So There are lots of, of things, even like acquiring a competitor, you know, you, maybe you grow that way by, you know, it's not necessarily an organic way to grow, but if we can grow by acquiring other businesses that are going to fold, that we can fold in. Now, again, that takes time to, Mm -hmm. to implement that, but that's a great way to increase valuation and, and, uh, increase, you know, the size of the business.
0: Um, do you also recommend that business owners kind of work themselves out of their processes and stuff so that it is an easier transition?
1: Yes. um in fact, the one of the premier exit planning advisors in the country who has has taught me a lot about exit planning, he basically says the number one thing that you can that you should do, no matter what, Uh, Or, who you're selling your business to is you need to replace yourself. You have to. No one is going to want to buy your business if the business revolves around you. So, it's essential and it doesn't matter. Obviously, if you're going to sell to an insider like a family member or a key employee, you have to do that anyway. You have to train and make sure that you have this next generation leadership in place. But you know, if, if, if everything about the business, which it does for a lot of small business owners, you know, they wear a lot of hats and, um, you know, like later today I'll do payroll. I should probably not be doing payroll. And at some point I need to stop. Yeah. So it's like, maybe I should practice what I preach here, but like, you know, I, there are certain things that I still do that if I am serious about wanting to exit my business in a few years, I need to stop doing those things right away because I, I should be able to leave my business for weeks or months at a time. And it should, those people that I've identified to replace me and be the management team, that is absolutely essential. And I think uh, your, your exit plan is much more likely to fall apart if you don't have that, even if you're selling to an outside third party, because anybody who's buying your business, a lot of times they're they're, they want to see that smooth transition. They want to know that once the deal is done, that things are going to continue and the business is going to continue to grow at whatever growth rate it's growing at. And, you know, there's a big learning curve if someone, an outsider comes in and wants to try to take over. So they'd much rather have people in place who have been there for a long time? They understand the processes. They understand the business. They can keep things going. And you have to be able to demonstrate that if you want to get top dollar for your business. So that is absolutely key.
0: I think um, you know one of the biggest issues in exit planning for you know the traditional CPA firm is that it's they're built around like a CPA and a couple admin right. people, and then it's low cost, you know, or low revenue clients, just a ton of them and you're going to look at a huge amount of attrition, you know, once that original owner leaves. And it's just, you know, accounting firms just aren't sellable anymore. Nobody wants to buy them Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, you know, it's built around one owner um, and, you know, below market prices a lot of the time. So, you know, trying to come in, change things, move prices up and things like that. It's just impossible because of their client bases a lot of the time. So it's something that's very interesting to me as a CPA firm owner, um, we don't run things traditionally anyway, but it's just very, very interesting to watch, um, in forums and stuff, people being like, I'm going to buy a business or I'm going to buy a book. And I'm like, why (laughs) that business is going to go, you know, he's going to, that person is going to leave the business eventually. And you might as well just go pick up their clients at a better fee. So it's just very interesting to watch, you know, what, you know, what's happening in certain industries, especially as we become more automated, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to work yourself out of your business. Um, and what I always challenge my business owners to question, you know, when they're doing something like their own payroll, Ashley, (laughs) (laughs) is this the, you know, is this the highest and best use of your time? You know, is this something exactly, or, you know, who can I, you know, or is this, you know, what, how can I do this for the last time? you know, we're always trying to grapple the accounting away from our clients. Um, and I always tell people, I don't even do my own payroll. Um, I have, so I have a third party that I have, you know, I'm a payroll expert, but that's not something I do. You know, it's not something we want any of our business owners to be doing because there's so many companies that could do it for you faster and cheaper and with more compliance than, you know, there's just too many compliance pieces in that. So that's really interesting. I like that, that, um, that you also like admitted to doing things you shouldn't be doing in your business
1: because I do that all the time too. (laughs)
0: Well,
1: yeah. And it's like, you know, even, even though I do this stuff and you know what the right thing to do sometimes you just, and, and I'm a control freak too. And a lot of business owners I think are. And so that's the other piece of it too. It's really hard to give up control. But I do try to, every time I'm doing something, I'm like, I always ask, is there is there someone else here who can do this for me? And sometimes I'll do something, I mean, I've done stuff for years, and then it dawns on me that, like, I don't have to do this. I can just train somebody or and teach them, and, and that's where I come back to technology, so one of the things that I've done is like with the Zoom call, mm-hmm. you can do screencasting where you show them actually like you all the steps with all the clicks and everything that you're doing. And you record the video and you send it to them and say, here you go, here's how you do it. And every time after that you need help or you need to reference this, this video is available for you so they don't have to come back to you over and over and over again. Yeah, we so. do that with uh, bookkeeping um, for
0: our small, small business owners. A lot of the time, like I'll walk them through, you know, our, our initial training, I'll just walk them through the checklist, but I'll video record it on Zoom so that they have it and then they have the, you know, you're, you're giving them the tools to do what they need to do. Um, And then they feel like, you know, they have more confidence too, because if they need to go back and do the thing, they don't have to come to you or, which is fine. I'm happy for them to ask, ask a question at any time, but I, you know, giving them the resources to do things really kind of empowers people to get their jobs done and getting, you know, get stuff done in a more efficient manner and for them to learn. Um, I'm a super visual learner. So I'm always like, how can I help people visually see things? But I always ask people, what kind of learner are you? Because I can do yeah. voiceover with it or not or whatever, you know, if the voice and the visuals help helpful for you, let me know. Um, because we want to teach people in the way they learn too, lot of the time. And some exactly. people are super tactile like me, like I have to see it and do it myself. Um, mm-hmm. so we try to help people do that too. I love that. So, you also have a podcast. I do. Tell us a little I'm bit crazy about enough your. Enough
1: to have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: it's crazy. So to much work. Second one now. <laughs> it's so much work. So, tell us about your podcast, yeah. um, about the focus and your content, um, and the value, value you're providing people. Um, and then I'll also link that one in the description box so people can go subscribe.
1: Cool. So my podcast is called One Minute Retirement Tip with Ashley. Um, And kind of uh, playing off of our very short attention spans these days, one of the things that I think uh, I'm good at is I'm able to take complex topics and kind of break them down more simple. So what I do in the podcast is I take a topic on retirement. So let's say it's long-term care or um, I'm trying to think, oh, uh, the one that I'm doing this week that I'll record actually later today is how to pick funds and how to how to pick the right funds in your 401k plan. So, you know, a lot of people, they have 30 or 50 funds to sort through. How do I know which is the right fit for me? So each day Each week has a theme, and so that's the theme of the week. And then I break down the topic, and in one to three minutes a day, I kind of talk about different things that are important. So I've talked about health savings accounts. I've talked about um, a lot of psychology around retirement, too, kind of what we talked about today with, you know, do you even want to retire? And how do you know if you're ready to retire? And how do you know, maybe, you know, here are some situations where you may want to continue working like you really get a lot of satisfaction and you like doing this but a lot of people you know society tells you at age 63 or 65 you gotta you know collect your old watch and move on but you know there's a there's a guy I read about in uh, New York he's like 106 years old (laughs) and he's an attorney and he still goes into the office like a couple of days a week. Uh, he's not getting a lot done, but like he owns the place. He's one of the partners and he just comes in, has lunch and chats with a few people and sits in on a, the occasional client meeting and, but he loves working. So he's never retired and that's perfectly fine, you know, and, and as long as you're able and you know, mentally able and physically able to continue working, who says you have to retire? So I kind of talk about all these things. Um, it's the podcast is available on Amazon Alexa as what's called a flash briefing. And then it's also on iTunes and uh, Google play as well. So yeah, one minute retirement tip with Ashley. If you like things broken down and uh, indigestible little pieces to kind of help you <laughs> help you on your path to retirement and help you so it's, it's aimed towards people in probably the last 10 to 15 years of retirement because everything I talk about is focused on that so I'll talk about you know a lot of people within 10 years of retirement are trying to figure out how they're going to save for retirement and then pay for their kids college so I'll address those things whereas you know a, a more general financial planning or, or retirement planning might, might talk, speak to millennials or younger generations, but I'm pretty much just talking to baby boomers who are closer to retirement. And closer to this exit planning stuff. Cause this is what you do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah I love it. And I just, I just laugh because the attorney that's 106, probably that is why he's still alive. Exactly. Go into the office, you know? Yeah. I wonder if there's some data about like how soon people die after they retire, like actually like retire, retire, stop working.
1: Um, Yeah, actually. So part of that week, uh, that week's theme, I did look up some studies. So I think uh, I could, I could be getting the numbers wrong, but for every year that you continue working, your chances of dying go down like 10%. So the longer you work, the more longevity you do have, um and that makes a lot of sense i mean my grandfather once he stopped working he he didn't really have any hobbies or anything so he he spent most of his last 20 years you know watching tv and watching fox news and football and you know and um but he his quality of life wasn't that great because he was not in very good health but he wasn't physically active and so having a job helps you be physically active you maintain your social contacts you know and that's why a lot of people tend to get um bored or depressed in in early retirement and later retirement too because they're sort of blindsided by these things like wow all of a sudden I just have my spouse to talk to all the time.
0: <laughs> I have no social life. <laughs> <laughs> and like people would come have lunch with me, but they're busy. They're working. Right.
1: Yeah. It's like a built in, yeah. you know,
0: networking community when you work, when you work someplace. So yeah. that's really, really interesting.
1: Yeah. So there is definitely some strong data that suggests that working longer helps you live longer and helps you to be more filled and happier too.
0: I love how you have all the data for me. (laughs) All right. So
1: before I ask my last question,
0: um, where's, what is the easiest way for for people to find you?
1: All my contact information and everything is on the valuation link, which is truenorthra.com forward slash value my business. Mm -hmm. and um, that's where you can get the free tool and the checklist that'll help you gather those eight pieces of information. But my contact information is is there as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, So last question. Um, If you could have all business owners focus on one thing to grow their business value, what would it be?
1: That's a great question, Jamie. You know, I think it goes back to what we were talking about, which mm-hmm. is that next generation and replacing yourself. Um, it doesn't necessarily, that, that takes time to to see, but in terms of making your business attractive and and growing the business, you have to be able to let go and let let other pe- and bring in other people who have a skill set that you may not have that's complementary that can help both grow the business but also make it attractive to anyone who wants to buy. So I would say that that is the one key thing that business owners should focus on is doing as much as they can to replace themselves.
0: I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Um, and I talk to business owners about
1: that all the time. I'm like <laughs> at what well, point you can say Ashley said so too. Ash- Ashley says so.
0: You need to go listen listen to the podcast with Ashley because she <laughs> said so because that's how what she does. She helps people get out of their businesses. Well thank you so much for coming.
1: I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Jamie. This was a lot of fun. (laughs)
0: Good. I'm glad. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast to be inspiring, helpful, and entertaining, please like and subscribe. This helps us grow the community and reach more people. If you're interested in learning more about this episode's guest or accessing any of the books or other resources mentioned in this episode, be sure to check out the description box below. Until next time, be abundant.